Welcome to yet another episode of the Pirate Monk Podcast. Coming to you, yes we are, practically live from high above the Mellow Mushroom in downtown metropolitan Franklin, Tennessee. I'm sitting here in the stellar studios of Mondo Grimes, that musical genius, our fearless, peerless engineer. Relaxing in one of his plush leather chairs beside me on the <laughs> leather couch is Newton Dominic. Lounging. Yes, yes, yes. And this, whole, this whole thing's turning me on. <laughs> <laughs> and joining us via Skype from uh, San Luis Obispo, California, the Commodore, our co-host from the left coast, Aaron Porter. Hello, Aaron. Yeah, thank you very much, by the way. I got some Facebook banter from folks calling me the Commodore. <laughs> I, I do believe I rejected the name Commodore. <laughs> well, if you quit wearing that hat. That's right, exactly, exactly. And, uh, and calling in half the time from a sailboat somewhere. I mean, if anybody is the Commodore, it has to be you. Uh, <laughs> I got I got nothing. <laughs> uh, although you might get demoted, you might get a reduction in rank uh, based upon your choice of drinking jugs in the middle of the night. But we won't go back to that. <laughs> uh, how did hey how did uh, how did Thanksgiving go for everybody? Hey, mine was good. Uh, we made the uh, <laughs> we drove to Memphis for lunch. Nice. <laughs> uh, you know, seven hours of driving for two hours of visiting. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but it was fun. Got to hang out with some of some of my wife's family. Uh, had a good time. I rode in the back seat most of the time doing bookkeeping. Uh, yes. So the, the Nate Larkin travel experience. <laughs> I appreciated. I appreciated your text. <laughs> uh, but it was good. Uh, I made I made dinner. Uh, like I made our our roast and potatoes and carrots and uh, and it was it was cool. I was really glad to do that. So uh, and then. Hung out Friday and watched a boatload of hockey, and then went to the Vandy game on Saturday. Wow! Uh, so it was it was a good weekend. A hockey Thanksgiving. Absolutely, it's the best uh, kind. How, wait, hockey? How is that American? <laughs> Canadians don't have Thanksgiving. It's a Canadian Thanksgiving. <laughs> well, they probably did it the same way a month ago when they celebrated their Thanksgiving. Uh-huh. But it was like New Year's Day bowl day. I mean, there was something like twelve different games. Yeah. I watched hockey nonstop. It was it was a feast, a bountiful feast of hockey. It was great. Okay. Wow. All right. Hey, Mondo, you did a little uh, a road trip yourself, didn't you? Yes, I did. Uh, oh, uh, went down to actually did a little work as well. Uh-huh. I'll tell you that part. But uh, ended up stopping through Dallas mm-hmm. uh, and uh, had a good a good time, man. You know, a lot of good Puerto Rican food. Puerto Rican Thanksgiving, which was awfully nice. Now, how is Puerto, Puerto Rican? Re- Wait, why do we have a Puerto Rican Thanksgiving? <laughs> we got a Canadian Thanksgiving. Uh, it's Mondo's Puerto Rican wife. Yes, absolutely. That's, that's fine. I love your wife, but okay. you can't have a Puerto Rican Thanksgiving. Tell us, uh, how was a Puerto Rican Thanksgiving different from well, okay, so like ba- an Irish basically with the food? It's just the, the food difference. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, yeah. I, I wanted. I didn't want the traditional, you know, turkey and dressing and all that stuff. I no. No, I didn't want that. I, so what did you have? Uh, we we had a a special type of uh, rice and beans uh, that uh-huh. has different different types of, of pork in it. There's, yeah. There's a uh, roast a roast a pork shoulder called uh-huh. panin that ro- that that cooks for uh, seven hours. Really. And it falls apart. Really. It is, it oh. is, is incredible. There's uh, there's different types of uh, plantains from amarillos to to uh, the the crispy chips. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, yeah. There's, 
Uh, there's yucca. I don't know if you ever heard of yucca. Oh, yeah, yucca, sure, yucca. yucca root. Uh, so, I call it yucca, but it's yeah, yucca. yucca. Yeah, yucca. Okay. Yeah, yucca okay. with uh, olive oil and uh, grilled onions all over top of it. Kind of looks like uh, take a take a baked potato without the skin, uh-huh. and then put olive oil, different seasonings, and grilled onions and stuff over, over, over yeah, the top yeah. of it. So. I like Puerto Rican Thanksgiving. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> then there's the desserts, uh, tres leche. So, like, the, you know, uh, those who are familiar with Chewies, you can get it there. there What's uh, that? It's like it's a cake that's soaked in this 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 milk kind of deal. Uh, and it's, it's, it's good. You put strawberries and, and caramel uh, sauce on top. Oh. Killer. Yeah, 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 killer. Uh what do you guess the calorie count was on a meal? Oh like my that? gosh, probably like ten thousand calories. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it just keeps going. There, there's all types of uh, good things, man. What, what else was there? Uh, but without the turkey, yeah. uh, did you not get the tryptophan? Uh, you know, uh, yeah, you don't coma. You don't, yeah, you don't get the tryptophan coma. You did, do? No, no, no. I heard that was a lie. I read an article on that. Oh, you did. Turkey really? does not make you go to sleep. It's, well, it's your that's, system uh, going into like. Carb overload. Yeah. <laughs> to make yeah. You sleep at all. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. That might be true, but the turkey, yeah. not to blame. Yeah. Yeah. Death by overconsumption. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that, I mean, it, it was it was so good. And the thing with Puerto Rican food, it's not spicy like other Latina cultures. Uh huh. It's very flavorful. Really. So, so everything is extremely flavorful. Yeah. And it's really really good. Um, not rich uh-huh. necessarily, but you'll you'll taste a lot of different things going on <laughs> in a lot of the dishes. Um, but I mean, very good stuff, man. I mean, it was, really? it was a variety of things, and 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 it works out because the panin, the pork, uh, the next few days you make the the cubano sandwiches. Oh, so you know that how, is uh-huh. the greatest sandwich in the world. Oh man, killer! So wow. you, you get some fresh, you know, French bread and get your mustard, get your your uh, your your black forest ham or whatever mm-hmm, you want. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Put the panin on it with the, you know, oh my gosh, dude, and, and grill that thing. Woo! I will tell Nate, you. I believe I believe we did some cubanos at your house, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Hey, uh, third week in March, I'm going to be down at Grenada Presbyterian Church in Miami. Mm. Last time I was there, the boys took me down to down to uh, Little Havana to a Cuban restaurant. Mm. Oh yeah, and I I mean I just cannot wait to get back. Although I'm going to spend more time this time. Yeah. The yeah. Cuban sandwich, the best in the world. It's the best in the world. Now, yeah. The problem for me, though, is... And Aaron makes a great one. He really... Oh, really? Yeah, yeah I mean, for a gringo, cook, he that does dude, a... That dude, yeah. <laughs> that dude can cook, man. It was hard, though, because after all that food, most people rest. I actually had a lot of work and traveling to do. Oh. So I was hurting, man. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, but it, it was cool, man. Happy to, happy to be back and back in the swing of things. But, yeah, 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 yeah. How about yeah. you, man? Uh, you know, we had what... We all agreed was probably the best Thanksgiving ever in the Larkin House. Wow, man. Uh, you know, uh, I'm now the patriarch of the family. So, uh, you know, the oldest sibling. I had my little brother there. Uh, uh, all our kids were there. And uh, their kids. So all the kids and grandkids, everybody. And then some other various friends. So we had about 25 people for Thanksgiving wow. dinner. Wow. And um, I did the cooking. I had a grand time doing it. Made a 22-pound turkey and a Big old, big ass ham. That's what I do. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's and, a different kind of ham. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know, just tons of veggies and all that kind of stuff. And for the first time this year, we just said, you know what? Let's not even bother with dessert hmm. because just eat sweet potatoes. We always make dessert, <laughs> and then it doesn't get eaten because everybody just gorges on the whole meal, right? So somebody did. Uh, somebody brought a pumpkin pie, and it sat. I have a. I have a 15-year-old grandson. 
He was, you know, two, two hours after the meal, he was up looking for something to eat. You know, I'm still trying to roll over, right? <laughs> <laughs> and he's rooting around the refrigerator. So we directed him to the pumpkin pie. He took care of dessert. The rest of us were just fine. How about you, Aaron? Give us, give us uh, you know, the lowdown. Uh, we had a great Thanksgiving, but I think I really enjoyed the week before Thanksgiving, uh, the team at Vintage at our church yeah. uh, asked my father to do his Squanto uh, first-person story for the church service. So wow. my dad showed up in kind of Indian drag. It was kind of a mix <laughs> of Paul and uh, Geronimo. Oh, I can see your dad doing that. Yeah, so he gets up and he starts doing yeah. his story uh-huh. and, uh, from first person. It's, it was just so great. I mean, from Squanto being kidnapped to England and then being home, what, like two days, and he gets kidnapped over to Spain. Wow. But here's, here's this guy that has spent, you know, half of his life in England. He's an Englishman, and he speaks Spanish, and he finds Christ in Spain, and then he comes back, and all of his family, everyone's dead. Mm. And then Massazoit comes back to uh, the very spot where Squanto's people are, the great chief. And they're all, half half of them have died, and they're all trying to load their guns to kill this guy who's walking up wearing almost nothing in freezing East Coast weather with mm. his buddy. And he opens the door, and in perfect British English says, do you have a beer? <laughs> that is the first contact between Indian and white man. Oh, wow. And it's just, you know, it's just perfect. Yeah. So it is a great story. Uh, I was glad that the church got it. And they also learned that on Samuel Adams' beers, that's not a picture of Samuel Adams because he was so ugly. That's a picture of Paul Revere. So there was a whole <laughs> lot of important <laughs> stuff going on. Now, there's a public service to our listeners. Some, there is some useful knowledge. I did yeah. not know that. I didn't know Sam Adams was ugly. Very ugly. He was historically ugly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of ugly, we have a guest. Now we're not. <laughs> no, we. I'm sure we have a fine-looking guest coming up. Uh, we're going to get on the phone with him in a bit. But I'm wondering if maybe we're going to take a break first. Open ye old mailbag. Yeah. Want to do that? And then. Uh, yeah. Okay. All right. We'll be back in just a moment here on the. Pirate Monk Podcast. Oh, pirate life is a wonderful life for roving over the sea. Give me a career as a buccaneer. It's the life of a pirate for me. Oh, the life of a pirate for me. Okay, we're back on the Pirate Monk Podcast. I've got a couple of letters here. The first one, actually, I get a lot of personal letters that don't come to the podcast. And uh, I do my best to answer them all. Lately, I've been getting an increasing number from wives uh, looking for direction and help and encouragement and often writing to express gratitude to Samson Society and what it's done for their husbands for their marriage. Um, I've got one here, though. This did not come to the podcast, per se. Uh, came to me, it was, and I still haven't responded to it because it um, has to do with Samson, um, and I just am not sure uh, what I ought to tell this woman. So I thought I'd toss it to you guys and see what you think. She says, I'm a wife whose husband has hidden his addiction and affairs for many, many years. About two years ago, he started going to a Samson group. This was on the advice of his counselor. 
In these past two years, I can honestly say I do not see how this group has helped my marriage. My husband seems more selfish than ever. He says he's changing. However, I can honestly say I do not see him treating me any better than before. The only difference is that he has a group of men who back him. Of course, they do not know how he treats me at home. I'm sure he tells them he struggles and at times has been mean, but it seems to me that all these men say is, we understand, brother. It's hard, blah, blah, blah. I would think that being as the group's stress, uh, uh, being as the group's stress putting God first and then the wife and then self, I would be able to see how my husband's looking more and more like Christ in our relationship and to me. This is not the case. I really wonder and question this group. How can someone be going for so long and still be harsh and hard-hearted and unloving? Isn't the purpose of going to a group to change and grow and do so in a way that's noticeable to those who've been hurt? Don't these groups stress how men should be loving, honoring, and respectful to their spouses, as well as patient, understanding, humble? I wish I could say the Samson group really helped set my marriage on a different path. Right now, however, I cannot say that that is the case. What do I tell um, this woman? a great letter. I'm glad she yeah. wrote it. Yeah, yeah. She's not the first wife to have felt that. Yeah, yeah, certainly not. I mean, the first thing that comes to mind, I can almost guarantee this man does not have a stylus. Yeah. He's yeah. not actually doing the Samson thing. He's going right. to a meeting, and mm -hmm. the meeting is not the Samson thing. Right. You do the meeting, you do the meeting after the meeting, you do a stylus, then you're doing the Samson thing. Right. Because the meeting is not designed for people to push back, nor right, does right. we demand that we divulge the, the all of the secret parts every week. Mm -hmm. That is in your Silas relationship. So I can imagine uh, lots of people can go to Samson meetings and feel like, all right, I'm going to a meeting and I'm getting to be honest. Right. But they're not being deeply honest, and they're not walking with that individual who's going to push back and call them on their stuff. Yeah. yeah, that's what the Silas relationships for. Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, I got. Uh, yeah, I do get these letters occasionally from from spouses, and I get the impression that the guy agreed to go to the Samson meeting pretty much to satisfy his wife and you know get it, get her off his back or to prove something, right? Yeah. And. Um, and so he's going, and you get to check the checkbox by going to the meeting. And there is, the meetings are wonderful. We all know that. Right. I'm sure he enjoys it. Uh, I'm sure he's, he's taking steps that she doesn't see. However, I think that's a, uh, I, I think you're dead on, Aaron. Uh, Samson's got to be a 24-7 Yeah. right? Well, and, it, and it's also possible, I, I, I don't mean this to sound defensive about what we do and about Samson society, but it's possible that the guy's not being open, honest, vulnerable, and being his authentic self in a meeting. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can turn the meeting into just a bitch session. Right. You know, and you're not talking about your heart. You're talking about your gripes or whatever. And I don't know if that's this guy's case. Yeah. But if yeah. he's not, if he's not bringing the pieces of him that his wife is talking about. Yeah. If he's not bringing that to the meeting. Yeah. There's no way for another man to read his mind. Yeah. And, and know his heart and 
walk with him in that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I don't know. I mean, I, I I would agree with Aaron. Like, it sounds like he's probably not doing Samson. He's doing Samson meetings. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, but I also don't know how... I would I would guess, just knowing the, the meetings I've been to and, and how they go and how guys, after a meeting, will engage with each other, I just don't know that maybe he's being authentic in the meeting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I would I would wonder. Yeah, yeah. There, um, there is another part to this letter that came to mind. As I look at guys who have walked through Samson for a long time, and then maybe they've done something like New Adam, things where they're learning to be honest with yeah. their hearts, to be introspective. I think there are certain people that gravitate towards that oh this is really fun i'm finally i finally have the tools and other people to just focus on me Mm -hmm. which is not the ultimate purpose right but it starts to satisfy a very fleshly part of us and so knowing that that gospel answer has to be a part of it that part of acting out my gospel uh, narrative is with the people around me i can't Mm -hmm. just receive uh, the grace and the forgiveness without it looping around into other relationships. That's the way the gospel works. So uh, I think there have been people that I've met over the years that I thought, man, this is just really your newest drug. You love getting mm-hmm. to talk about you mm-hmm. in these intimate ways, and it's a version of false intimacy, just like porn is a version of false intimacy. Right. So can being honest. It gives you the same tingly of being yeah. known. Wow. So, I mean, but what do you say to the wife? I mean, I if I if I was talking to the spouse. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I it sounds like she and her husband know each other pretty well. You know, I mean, like they're married, but it sounds like she she's she knows his stuff. Yeah. I would encourage her to ask him Aaron's question. Are you in a Silas relationship? Yeah. Or are you just going on Samson night? Yeah. You know, yeah. I would if I would encourage her to push back on him to not just do Samson meetings, but to do Samson. Yeah. And she she also needs to look at herself, right? And right. say, wait, am I being honest in a letter like this? He's not being Christ-like. Mm-hmm. Okay, what what does that really mean within the context of their relationship? Yeah. Is is she still doing the same things that trigger him? And that doesn't make his reaction right, but because of his failures, is she expecting him to be the perfect husband while she gets to wallow in her pain for a while? That's a hard reality. There's lots of people who have confessed to an affair only to realize, man, confessing the affair just showed me why I didn't want to be with my spouse anyways. Mm -hmm. And that breaks my heart because two people have to do the work after what she described. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if she is. Yeah, I, I agree with the pushback, Newton. Because um, it's not that Samson is failing her husband. You know, and it seems like that may be a little bit of her position, mm-hmm. as if the system of Samson is failing her husband. Yeah. Um, which I don't know if it's totally fair to say. Uh, yeah. You know, I think it's... But we don't know the group either. We, yeah, don't, we don't know that. Yeah, we don't, we don't, don't know, know how healthy true. the group is. That's right. true. Yeah. That's true. I, but I think it is fair to examine both sides. Yeah, yeah. You know, examine yeah. the group, examine yeah. what her husband is bringing to the table. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you just don't go to the hospital and say, hey, this was wrong with me, and then walk out. Yeah. You know what I mean? There has, right. to, there has to be some, some sort of pushback there, some sort of 
uh, challenging why you're even coming there, you yeah. know, examining why you're coming there. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's, it's, you know, I, I feel like at some point I was that guy. Yeah. Yeah. At one particular point. Yeah. And so, yeah. and it, it took someone calling me out to say, okay, this is not just a dump session here. Yeah. 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 This, this, you don't come here just for us to listen to your problems. Yeah. 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 There, there's, that's part of the process. Yeah. Which means there's more than just that one thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it, it took someone to actually call me out and wake me up to that. Because yeah. the, the tingly feeling did come. Mm-hmm. You know, man, I'm being honest. I'm dumping everything. Oh, man, I feel awesome. Yeah. This is great. And I can do it again next week. <laughs> awesome. This is man. Yeah. Like, this is so good. Oh, and you, I can keep coming? Yeah. Right. Wow. And you guys aren't going to say anything to me about it? Awesome. I can save up my crap all week. Yeah, and just dump it on you. Yeah, and and then you just get in this cycle of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And without that Silas relationship, there's no one or going to the meeting after the meeting. Yeah. Um, it's it's really just that cycle of yeah. continuing your denial. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah. Um, so I would I would challenge not only to push back on him, but also examining the group too. All right. And yeah, yeah. That's at least. Yeah. Uh, all right, well, let's uh, move from that to examining the group here. This is troubleshooting day. we got two. Uh, th- this is what our letters are today. Cool. And then we're going to trouble. That was, we were kind of troubleshooting a marriage, sh- just shooting in the dark. We really, uh, we hope we hit something. Okay, now let's troubleshoot a group. I got this, this letter. Hello from Austin, Texas. Hello. <laughs> I found a Samson group in Austin almost a year and a half ago, and the relationships in that group have been great instruments in my recovery. We have always been a smaller group, just five or six guys. There is a larger group that meets in the northwest part of Austin, but our group was started in South Austin before I got there, since it's a trek to the northwest part of town. We've had some attrition over the past few months, and not much growth to speak of. We're now down to four guys, and I am one. We had to move the night of the week that we meet this fall, and that's not helped. Attendance is sparse, and over the past few months, we've had more canceled meetings due to lack of attendance than we've had actual meetings. What is it going to take to revitalize our group? How do we go about growing our group? I believe the four of us sincerely want to be part of the group, but... We need to be more intentional about it. I hate to see our group dissolve because I know we have the potential to have a solid group in South Austin. Just need direction and advice on how to get there. If you have ideas for us, we'd like to hear them. We thought about breaking for the holidays and coming back after the first of the year with the goal of being more intentional, following the meeting guidelines more strictly, and even changing the location once we reconvene. Who's to say any of that'll help? But I'd appreciate your thoughts. I just want all the listeners to know that for fifty dollars, Nate will read your letters and make them sound <laughs> captivating. <laughs> oh, jeez. Uh, what, what do you think? I mean, I had some thoughts, but where, where, where did it take you, Aaron? Yes. Small meetings are not uncommon, and critical mass is a real law of the universe right yeah uh-huh. you you can have the greatest thing in the world but if only five people are coming when that sixth person comes they think this must suck there's only five people here <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like my music career 
<laughs> yeah. So uh, I, I think those people first really do have to decide, yes, we want more people here. Yeah. Uh, because they're all going to have to work for that. And mm -hmm. there is a different dynamic. There's a fun dynamic. When you get over, you know, I'd say over 12 people, yeah. 12 to 15 people is a real new dynamic. And uh, I'm, I've also seen smaller groups do become their own either holy huddle where right. a new person really feels like these people know each other so well and I don't know any of them, or uh, they, they get off the map of using the structure of Samson and they just show up and gripe the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. So when anybody comes in, they're like, man, how, how was that helpful to my life? I sat with four people that know each other and complained about their lives. I've totally seen that. I know why no new person would want to come the next week. Yeah. There has to be that forward movement. So I love the idea of trying a new location. I think them putting the word out to other churches to say, here's what this meeting is. Uh, here's what we do. If there are any guys, this is where we meet. You know, they've got to tell people. Yeah. Right. But even more than that, individual invitations are always more powerful. Yeah. If they're inviting the people in their lives, maybe they'll come once or twice and say, you know, don't just come once. Come two or three times and see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think I would also ask this group about, ask this guy about their Silas relationships. Because mm -hmm. um, I think that <clears throat> knowing the Silas relationships, I think, speaks to the health of the group. Um, or, you know, if they have them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but also, uh, so if they're not doing... If they're not following a meeting structure, meeting format, you know, I would at least encourage them to be following the Silas relationship idea or concept. Yeah, and I'd push for the meeting format as well. Yeah. There's one yeah. phrase I caught there. They said, you know, we've talked about maybe following the meeting guidelines more closely. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, actually, the, the structure is there for a reason. And yeah. it, it's to keep that time together from just degenerating into a hang. Yeah. Right? Yep. And I think that that also, aside from just, aside from just you know talking about it in churches and putting it up on the slideshow before service or whatever, it's going to take risk on those guys' part to be known. Yeah. To to talk to another friend, another man, and say this is my story. Yeah. And I go to this group. Yeah. You know, I, I belong to this this brotherhood. Um, this is why I go. This is my story. Yeah. Um. Do you care to join us? You know, yeah. do you do you want to come sit with us? I think yeah. it, you know, it's it's helped me. It's helped my marriage. It's yeah. it's whatever. Yeah. And not just say, hey, we got a men's group that meets on Monday nights. Yeah. I wouldn't show up for that. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, here's the thing to watch out for, Nate. Before you give yours, mm -hmm. if if they do go to any churches to try to say we're doing this and mm -hmm. it's available for your men, they need to prepare themselves for the fact that a lot of churches. Uh, I mean, at least half the churches are going to not want to promote it because it's a men's ministry outside of their own ministry, yeah, not sure. connected to any. And so that feels like, well, what you're you're stealing something from us, or you yeah. know, there's there's a lot of feelings that leadership can have, and that can really make guys sad and and hurt. Cause they don't know that's coming. They think yeah. that the church is just going to be like, yeah, you're doing this, you awesome guys. Uh, <laughs> not gonna happen. Yeah. Yeah. everywhere so yeah. just be ready for that and try not to judge those who might do that 
That's good. That's good. And I found that therapists are a good source of referral, by the way. Yeah. Uh, or even pastors one on one. Even if they're not going to put it up on a on a on a bulletin board, if you can if you can share your story with somebody in the caring professions who is regularly coming into contact with with uh, guys in crisis, and you can say, look, here's my story. Um, I get help and support from a group of guys. I'd, I'm more than willing to provide uh, help, provide support for anybody you're trying to help. Here's my number. And the other thing I'd suggest to these guys, and this comes from our experience here in Franklin. You know, we experienced the attrition thing going on uh, after the first year we started Samson. I've told this story. We started yeah. with a dozen guys, and, you know, by the end of the first year, we'd grown it to seven. Uh, <laughs> and we'd had a lot of guys through the door during the course of that first year, but we were still figuring it out. One of our big problems, we finally realized, was that there were not, there were only a couple of functional Silas relationships in the group. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, guys that enjoyed the meetings, but after a while, if you're not making forward progress, you know, so what we did was we realized uh, where the hole was. We planned a retreat. We scheduled a retreat. Huh. Everybody got together, and we invited everybody who'd been through the group that year to come for a weekend. And uh, it wasn't heavily structured, and it wasn't expensive. You know, we found a cheap place to do it. We brought our own food. We got it done for like 25 bucks a guy. Um we made sure that everybody had a chance, to, everybody who was in the group had a chance to participate in leading the retreat. We were yeah. on, we knew what we were going to do. We focused on the Silas relationship. And we did stuff like role play the daily phone call. You know, we brought in a telephone. Okay, this is how the phone, you know, uh, we had, there were a couple of functional relationships. We had guys talk about those. Um, we also sent guys off to for an hour to do some journaling and then paired them up with another guy to share what they'd written uh, so that everybody had the experience of kind of being a temporary Silas a little bit, right? Yeah. Well, 25 guys came to that retreat. And by the time the weekend was over, we started Friday night, we ended Sunday afternoon, everybody had somebody that they considered at least to some degree a Silas. And, and then we just kind of covenanted together. And, you know, we saved worship, by the way, till the end. Hmm. We didn't start with music. We didn't do the church stuff that might kick us into our religious persona, right? And that, that I'll tell you what, that worship at the end of that weekend still lives in my memory. One of the purest worship experiences I've ever had. Hmm. Just led by one guy with a guitar, you know. Um and the the group really took off from that weekend. So uh, if you even if you only got four or five guys, it, it, if you've had more, uh, there's probably a dozen guys or more who've been through that group in the course of the last couple of years. See how many of them you can make contact with. And I remember at that retreat there were a couple guys who came who'd never been to a Samson meeting, but they were invited and they came along. And because they uh, you know, locked in and experienced real relationship, that it stuck and they stayed. All right. This this makes me think, Nate and I have been talking about doing a, a another California uh, 48 hours retreat. So if people want to call right in and say, yes, we're interested, will you guys lead another retreat? We would come 
and that'll help us make a decision on when and how. And uh, so let us know, because we'd love for all of us and our our podcast listeners to hang out and get to experience this together. Oh, that'd yeah. be great. That'd be great. All right. Well, we we've got a guest. We're going to get on the phone. We'll be back in a minute here on the Pirate Monk Podcast. <laughs> All right, we're back on the Pirate Monk Podcast with our special guest of the day, Chad Griffin, joining us from Fort Worth, Texas, uh, where he works as a self-employed personal trainer. But that's just, uh, that's what pays the bills. He's, this man has got a story and he has a, a heart for ministry. Welcome. Thanks for joining us, Chad. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So, um, tell us tell us a little bit about your story. You're a guy who grew up in the church and you spent some time in uh, Christian work, uh, got sideways in your personal life, and you found out that there was uh, a spiritual dynamic to uh, what was going on with you. Can you can you kind of uh, th- uh, thumbnail it for us? Well, I... I grew up in a small town, and um, you know, my mom was a spiritual leader in my home. And like you said, I grew up in church. Uh, that was never an issue. I always knew right from wrong. But um, I guess what I considered was right was having lustful problems, um, being attacked uh, by the devil with lust, and thinking that that was something I was going to have to be a slave to the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. I had gotten to the point um, where you know I had always cheated on my girlfriends growing up. I uh, cheated on my wife first year of marriage and and then it just kind of continued um you know never if, if you want to look at cheating and, and being unfaithful in, in bill clinton's eyes i was never actually unfaithful again mm-hmm. but uh we all know that there's a lot of other things that can be done and i was dabbling in a lot of that even though i was in christian education and and things like that as a teacher and a coach and, and i just come to the point where i said uh you know the devil knows my weakness is lust and i'm going to struggle with it the rest of my life and, and that it pretty much become my motto and um i went on a faith quest through fellowship of the sword and uh, just spent some time uh you know getting to know the lord over that week and mm-hmm. and getting closer to him and and pretty much a, a, about a year uh, before that i'd really started to try to get my act right with the lord and knew that i was going to lose my family if i didn't and um it finally dawned on me about six months after coming back from my faith quest that that how stupid it was for me to think that lust was something I was going to struggle with forever. I was basically telling God, I know you're creator of the world. I know you're the strongest, strongest being in the universe, but we're dealing with lust here, Lord. You can't, you can't defeat it. Mm-hmm. And, um, the more I thought of that, I, I realized how ridiculous that was. And, and from that day forward, I, I've put, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, checks in place, uh, and, and things that I have to do daily to, uh, to defeat lust, but I pretty much, gave it over to him and said, yep. Lord, this is yours. I know you're powerful enough to defeat it. Yeah. And um, and I'm no longer going to be a slave to it anymore. And uh, so it's just been a, a constant uh, victory after victory. It's still a struggle, but it's definitely something that I overcome quickly And uh, because I've got the Lord on my side and, and put a lot of things in, in place daily to keep me focused and to keep me from getting down in that ditch and then staying there, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, um... <clears throat> Yeah, the only way to end the struggle 
is to surrender. And I know that during my years of active addiction, the only way I knew to 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 to, to, to stop the struggle was to surrender to lust, right? Just give in, yeah. um, or or to fight it. And if I fought it, the, you know, every battle would finally end in exhaustion and defeat. Yeah, fight in quicksand. That's right, right. And then learning that there is somebody else you can surrender to. You don't have to surrender to lust if you surrender to a power greater than lust. And both and there, Nate, in your story, right? What's that? There, there's an interesting both and. Yeah, you know, yeah, what yeah. You're saying, Chad, is okay. When I had said, I lust is just something I'll probably deal with, so I took it away from God's power and surrendered to just participating in it. The other surrender is I'm just going to give it all to God, which ends up meaning very little as far as what I'm going to be doing. I'm just waiting for God to give me the silver bullet. And what you just said was I'm, I've given it all to God. There are things I do every day, but I've given it to God. So what some people would say, like, wow, what, what's that about? You've given it to God, but you're still doing something every day. So, you know, I'd be curious from both Nate and your Chad perspective, like, what does that mean? I've given it to God, but there's stuff that I do every day. Well, you know, one of the things that, that people always talk to me about is, you know, what you just said. You know, I, I've basically told the Lord that I'm tired of living this way. I'm tired of doing this. And, and I, I, you know, I've basically given in to him. And now I'm, I'm just going to sit put, you know, and sit tight and, and hopefully... You know, the miraculous thing happens and I'm no longer a sinner. But we have to do stuff. You know, we, yeah. the Lord tells us we can't be idle. You know, it's, it, the, um, you know, we're never stagnant. We're either growing or shrinking. And, um, and so one of the things that, and multiple things that I've done is, uh, for Facebook, for example, I was getting myself into trouble just scrolling down through the news feeds and things like that and mm-hmm. being curious about, oh, there's a there's a girl, you know, and then all of a sudden I'm looking through her photos and then all of a sudden I'm having conversations with her. So one of the things I put into place was I use my Facebook strictly for business. I don't scroll through news feeds at all. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't start scrolling down. I don't click on anybody's page. I don't click on anybody's photos. And, um, you know, that keeps me in, in check. Um, I no longer at night, you know, I, I get bored and start surfing through the, uh, the titles of, of movies on, on, on my, uh, direct TV. And then all of a sudden something will catch my attention. And then you're sitting there with that, that decision. Do right. I click on it or do I not click on it? So rather than getting to that point, I just said, I'm no longer scrolling through the guide. Yeah. You know, um, Little things here and there, when when the Dallas Cowboys are playing football and they continue to shove the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders down my throat, as soon as the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders come on the screen, I literally turn my eyes away from the TV and so it's no longer on the screen. Yeah, yeah. And um, it's you know the eyes, the eyes can kill you. You know whatever whatever goes into your eyes is going to corrupt your heart. So the quicker I can get control of that and, and place those things into place that are going to protect my eyes, which in return protect my heart, yeah. the quicker I'm going to be able to avoid all those stumbling blocks that the world is continually throwing down my face. Because the world teaches us, if you don't lust after other women other than your wife, there's something wrong with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they, in the, in all the commercials are that way, all the ads are that way. It's normal for a man to be like this. Just accept it, throw your hands up, throw the towel in, you're done. Yeah. And I, and I, um, I was tired of living that way. You know, I'm like, no, that, that is not the way it's supposed to be. God is stronger than that. Yeah. 
and um, and so basically we just, we we have to team up with him as men. We can't expect him to do it for us, but we have to team up with him and say, "All right, God, you're in this with me, but I've got to do my part." Yeah. And um, you know, I mean, I could tell you a list of, of 15 other things that I do also, but the main things are just guarding my eyes and getting control of of that downward spiral before I went off the cliff. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you're a physical trainer, and so, you know, there is there is great reason for us to have you on here today because it, uh, it is the gluttonous season. <laughs> uh, and so that's good. But First Timothy 4.8 says that physical training has some value, but godliness has value for all things, right? Holding promises for both this life and the life to come. But uh, I think a lot of times when we look at that, passage, we forget that it says that physical training has some value, and we go right to the sea, so that doesn't matter, but we're just training ourselves spiritually, not physically. I'm guessing a guy like you has an opinion about that. It's funny you bring up that verse, because I actually used it. I I have a men's ministry that I send out messages to every day, and that was actually the verse leading into my message today. Um, I get frustrated at times. The way I look at sin is sin is not the same for everyone. Um, it may not be a sin for me to eat a hamburger, but it may be a sin for you to. Mm-hmm. And it all boils down to, did the Lord tell you it's okay to eat that hamburger or not? And I think that's where society we get in, in, uh, in trouble because we want to make it black and white. This is sin and this isn't. And, it, and, it, and some things, of course, it is. I mean, there's certain things the Lord says, you shall not do this, and we understand that. Um, but there's other things that, depending on where we're at in our walk with the Lord, and depending on where we're at spiritually and physically, it may be okay for you to overindulge every once in a while, where somebody else who is struggling with weight and who is on 10 different types of medication the Lord is telling them, you can't indulge, you've got to stay committed, you've got to stay focused. And so if the Lord, it comes down to obedience, which, you know, everything in, in our walk with Christ is, is we either obey or not. And so what I talk to people a lot of times, if they're battling with weight or they're battling with some sort of illness or something like that, that I, I truly believe the majority of it stems from what we're eating, the question is, are you convicted about it? If you're convicted about it and you can and you choose to do it, then you are sinning. Um, you know, plain and simple. Um, so it's I, I'm a firm believer that you should take care of your body. Um, I also have been on the other side of that, and it's something I struggle with. Where I've been at a point in my life, and I still struggle with it daily. Where I put too much importance in it, and it and it becomes where well, I'm a slave to staying in shape and I'm a slave to the diet that I'm on where I can't enjoy myself anymore. I can't go out to eat with my family mm-hmm. without driving them crazy. So it's it's a fine line that, that the devil can really detour me on if I'm not focused and he has in the past. And, and it's something I still struggle with and I really have to bite my tongue because there's a lot of people that I truly love and care about that, that continue to make poor choices and I'm like, oh, don't you know what that's doing to you? Um and uh, so it's, it's definitely not not near as important as your spiritual life, but I do think that the Lord gave us this body, and we're supposed to be responsible enough to take care of it. Uh, it's the only one we have, and uh, 
and I think I think we've gotten way out of line with with people thinking that oh I'm you know I'm I'm going to focus on the spiritual part and I'm just going to eat and do whatever I want and then you know they're battling all kinds of illness and disease and then they pray that the Lord would deliver them from that after they've made all these poor choices of, <laughs> over the years of eating wrong and not exercising. So. Now, Nate, you've uh, you've been thinking about this recently too, right? Well, yeah, certainly. Um, uh, Chad, my wife uh, was diagnosed with breast cancer in May of this year. Uh, I'm sorry to hear that. Well, well, you know, it has. Uh, God didn't give her cancer, but God is able to redeem anything and make all things right. work together for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose, as it goes. And certainly, we have seen. A lot of positive results in our family. For one thing, suddenly, you know, we ate like we were immortal. Uh, <laughs> and, you know. And it was so fun to visit you because of that. <laughs> yeah. Ruining exactly. my, my idea of your house. I'm going to get carrot sticks and no. celery sticks. Uh, that's okay, not. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. Actually, we. Uh, uh, so anyway, I, you know, it uh, it fell to me to start to do the cooking. We we were in a we were in a in a situation where you know we went out to eat all the time, and or Ali cooked. So and now paying attention, eating a plant strong diet. Uh, both of us have lost uh, a lot of weight. We feel so much better, and because right. God has designed us as embodied spirits, there actually is in the improvement in our physical health. Ali actually looks and feels and sounds uh, better than she has in years. Um, there's, there is a benefit. There's a spiritual benefit. Uh, and, you know, that reminds me, when I first got into recovery from sex addiction, uh, you know, I, I was told by my first sponsor, he said, man, you just, this, you've got to think of recovery as radical self-care. You have taken care of your addiction and taken care of business, and you've kept things afloat here by self-propulsion. You're almost, you know, you've managed to keep your nose above the water, but you have not taken care of yourself. Right. And, uh, you know, I I only wanted to focus on things like, which are, which are things I, uh, disciplines I had to develop. Uh uh, setting boundaries, watching uh, what my I was going to allow my eyes to see, and you know not pursuing lust. But I wanted to limit the the whole enterprise to that. And right. meanwhile, my sponsor was 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 telling me it was getting me to the gym, getting yeah. me to sleep right, getting me to the dentist. And I now understand, and doing some journaling and stuff. I, I now understand that doing that personal work, internal work, physical work, all of it was working together to make me into uh, a healthier person. Wow. Um, well, I love the fact, Chad, that uh, one of the ways that you take care of yourself is you give yourself in service to other men. Uh, how much do you think that plays into uh, you know, the way you see your life turning around how how important is your ministry to your own uh spiritual health oh my goodness i i would uh, hate to think what what life would be like if i didn't if i wasn't having you know running the ministry and sending out messages throughout the week to these men um i, I don't hear back from a lot of them i've got about 440 plus men that 
that receive my emails, you know, throughout the week. And then every once in a while I'll get encouragement back, you know, uh, you know, from one or two each day or maybe not any for a couple of days, but I know they're reading them and, and, um, it, I, I put myself in a position of leadership, which is, is really stupid when you think about it because you're, you're basically putting that bullseye on your back and saying, all right, devil. Yeah, uh, you're not only worrying about me now, but but I'm also raising up other other warriors and soldiers to to fight alongside me. And um, but it keeps me focused uh, because I know not only do I have my wife and my my two kids now uh, looking up to me, but I've got these hundreds of men who are who are looking to me uh, and holding me accountable. And um, it's kind of like setting a goal. You know, if, if you want to to reach your goal, the best thing to do is to tell other people that you're going to reach it. Um, because then you, you're holding yourself to a higher standard. You don't want to let other people down. And um, so basically by getting involved in, in starting this battleground ministry, it's, it's put me in a position where, where I said, all right, you know, my, my wife and kids apparently for for the first uh, 14 years, you've know, been married 17 years, but for 14 years of, of previous, you know, lustful times of my marriage, my wife and kids weren't enough. So I'm going to add as many people as I can, and I'm going to tell as many people as I can my story and then my battles with lust. And the more people that I have holding me accountable and the more people that know my story and that I can help to keep from tripping up and say, making the same stupid mistakes I've made, then the better off I'm going to be. And um, so it's, it's a huge part of my life. It's, um, it, it's been tough at times taking on you know the responsibility because we get prayer requests and praises at night. And it's hard not to take those on personally. And um, and I, I had a, a, a youth pastor tell me who's on my ministry. He said, Chad, those aren't your prayers to try to answer. Those are still the Lord's prayers. you got to let them go. You, yeah. know, you, you pass them along, and, uh, and and you pray for those people, but it's not your job to try to solve them. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's been you know fabulous and just miraculous to see men who are complete strangers coming through for each other and, and answering prayer requests and and I just seeing the Lord work and, you know, we've had, you know, three, three men in their forties in the last year, you know, be taken home to be with the Lord, you know, battling cancer and West Nile virus and things like that. And it's just, it's just been a very humbling time and, and a time to just see, you know, men come together and, and see the strength of God when, when men start to be obedient and, uh, and realize that it's okay to be a man of God. Yeah. You know, we don't have to sit back and cower down and hide. You know, we need to make a stand and stand up and fight, you know, for our families because this world definitely needs that. Well, Chad, if our guys, if our, if our listeners, any of our listeners want to get on your uh, email list, well, hold, on, I imagine... hold on, I I hear you wrapping up. You you think I'm ready to wrap up? I'm not oh, ready I'm to wrap sorry. up. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We, we have Chad, the personal trainer here, uh-huh. and I think this is important okay. for this time of year. So... I'll let you finish that wrap-up okay. in just a minute. Okay. All right. Deuteronomy 14. Deuteronomy. <laughs> okay. Go ahead. <laughs> That's old school Christianity All right. Okay. right there. <laughs> uh, so, Deuteronomy 14, God gives his people this command for a second tithe. I think a lot of people don't know that the Israelites had two 10% tithes. Deuteronomy 14, you get this second tithe where God says you're going to tithe all of your seed that comes from the field and before the Lord your God in the place he will choose. Uh, you're going to tithe that grain and the wine and your oil and the firstborn of your herd and your flock that you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. 
And if the way is too long for you to go to that place so that you're not able to carry all that stuff to tithe, when Lord your God blesses you because the place is too far from you, which the Lord your God chooses to set his name there, then you shall turn it into money and bind up the money in your hand and go to the place the Lord your God chooses and spend the money for whatever you desire, oxen or sheep or wine or strong drink, whatever your appetite craves, and you shall eat there before the Lord your God and rejoice, you and your household. And don't forget the pastors, oh, I mean Levites, who are within your towns, for he has given no portion or inheritance with you to them. All right, so I, I love this passage because God is literally telling his people, I want you to save for a time of celebration that is supposed to be for fearing me, so it's not just for, you know, it's not uh, that mm-hmm. Tuesday before you get religious, you get drunk. That's not what God's saying. He's saying this celebration is to see me and fear me and know me. But you're going to do that by taking what you saved and by everything you like, food and drink, and eat it before me. So when I go into the, the season like this, my heart, because I love cooking. I'm like, all right, this is like, let's do this. And there have been times that we have spent extra money worshipfully for feasting. We love feasting in our house. So as a trainer and as a, as a physical trainer and a spiritual trainer, how can people wisely go into this season in a way that honors that principle? Well, oh, guys, I've got to go. Uh, I appreciate you having me on. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sitting there listening to that, that passage going, okay, what question is he going to ask me? Uh, <laughs> one of the things that um, uh, Jeff Pierce is a great friend of mine. He uh, he has Cooking God's Way, and uh, he's a holistic nutritionist, and I definitely want to give him credit for what I'm about to say is, um, because he really changed my life over the last two years because I, I was eating what I thought was healthy and uh, he really, you know, kind of turned my world upside down toward the holistic side of things. And and one of the things that, that uh, he constantly talks about is know, know your source, know where your food comes from. Um, I, I think one of the things going into the holiday season is definitely enjoy yourself. Uh, um, you know, you can even overindulge. Um, at times, but don't let it, don't let it carry over into, you know, I'm overindulging for weeks at a time, you know, um, because then you, you get into the, the January time, which is the time that keeps us personal trainers in business. Yeah. yeah. And, um, <laughs> and, and you're, and you're sitting there, sitting, you know, going, how in the world did I get to this point? Yeah. Um, so try to stay, you know, with your, with your, your fresh vegetables, try to, try to go organic when you can. Sometimes yeah. organic may not be any better than the regular. Yeah. But, but it's kind of your way of casting a vote, you know, saying that you appreciate what those farmers are trying to do. And um, and uh, it's the only way that you can show them that you're in agreement with what they're trying to do. Try to stay lean on your knees. Um, try to keep your sugar intake down. There's yeah. nothing wrong with, with having a great time, you know, having, you know, a whole bunch of turkey and sides and, and all those good vegetables and things like that. And, and when you eat your dessert, try to eat one piece. You know, don't don't have a buffet table on the dessert aisle as well because... It's the sugar that's that's really putting our society in a bind with obesity, not not the fat intake. Uh, yeah. The the fat intake isn't near the problem that that the processed sugars and, and the processed foods are causing. Mm-hmm. So, um, 
just try to try to limit your indulgence to to one or two days. You know, a lot of times we have split Christmas uh, dinners with different family members and things like that. But you know, just just don't get carried away where you said you can throw your hands up and give in to it for a week and and then you're miserable because I don't think there's anything in life that the Lord wants us to say that he that when he's telling us that passage he says you know have everything you want and, and, and enjoy yourself. Um, I don't think he would recommend that we do that if he knew that because of us doing that we're going to feel miserable for the next weeks to come. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's anything the Lord is going to recommend us to do to go enjoy ourselves. And in return, because we followed the Lord's commands, we're going to feel miserable after it. Yeah. So just be smart in, in your indulgences and don't go overboard where where you're sitting there and, and regretting it afterwards because then you really didn't enjoy yourself to begin with. All right. Well said. I, I've got yeah. a lot of big nods over here from Newton. Yeah. So yeah. you guys, Nate, you guys made a good decision on the we're not making dessert this year for Thanksgiving. That's right. There it is. <laughs> there it is. Yeah. Okay. So uh, if our folks want to get that email, uh, how do they reach you, Chad? I'm going to give out my, my cell phone number and my email address. And um, There's a and brave can, man right there. Okay. <laughs> you can you can send me your um, your contact information and email, and I'll add you to I use MailChimp as my, uh, my email server to send out my messages. Okay. And so I'll just add you to the list. Uh, you can either text it to me or you can email me that information. Uh, uh, my phone number, and if you ever have, need to talk and you're a man of God just struggling and, and want to talk or, or text, feel free. I mean, that's, that's what we're here for. So uh, my number is 817-992-1830. That's 817-992-1830. And a good email to reach me at is cgriffin75 at gmail.com. That's C-G-R-I-F-F-I-N-75 at gmail.com. All right. Well, thank you. Know, feel free to look me look me up on Facebook. Um, you can also go to Battleground Fitness Keller on Facebook, and I put messages out every day on my on my website uh, or my Facebook page for my gym. And, um, anything we can do to, to keep each other accountable, I'm, I'm all about. Fantastic. Great. Thank you, all Chad. right, Chad. Yeah. Good conversation. Yeah, it really was. All right. Well, that about does it, I think, for this episode of the Pirate Monk Podcast. The time has flown. So uh, we'll say goodbye to Chad. We'll say goodbye to all the rest of you. Until next week, this is Nate, along with Newton, Mondo, and Aaron. Goodbye from the Pirate Monk Podcast. Yo-ho! Yo-ho!